everyone to those good old-fashioned values the first and hopefully last family guy analysis podcast on the internet uh we are back to talking about family guy finally Woo! it hasn't been that long for you guys it's only been about uh two weeks but for us it's been like four or five yeah uh so as always i am your host spencer aka the lonely photon and i am joined as always by ty aka at bobo underscore circus on twitter hey and Andy, a.k.a. X underscore Narco Anon on Twitter. Hi. And we are back, and we are talking about Season 11 of Family Guy. So, uh, before we begin, I want to say there is a new showrunner this season. Instead of Hentiman and Callaghan, it is Appel and Callaghan. Yeah. Um, so far, it is... I, I don't think any of us can really identify, like, a huge shift, I don't think. I, I could make a case. Oh, okay. Ty, why don't you make your case? So, for me, I mean, we, we had obviously felt inklings of this in earlier seasons. I know we've commented on it, but this is the first season where it feels like it truly kind of accepted that it's a cartoon before a sitcom. Like, none none of the plots are really, I mean, I mean, maybe like a handful, but none of them I really think fit into like the whole the the idea of like, this is what a normal sitcom would do, but with heightened stakes. It's It's very much like even, you know, even if some of the A plots kind of follow that, the B plots are, you know, always out there or vice versa. You know, in the episode where we have Lois going through a midlife crisis is also where we have, you know, Stewie fighting an evil turtle. And it's one of those, I don't think there was any episode to me that truly felt like uh, it was, it, it truly felt like it was a sitcom the whole way through, you know? Mm. So, um, here, here's the thing. I think you're right. I didn't really think of it that way, but I think the, the point I was going to make before you went and then sort of realized is that, like, I think on a scene-by-scene basis, nothing feels different. Yeah, This is I'll the same, but I would argue overall this season is much more, t- much more consistently funny and a lot more, like jump like well structured and paced episodes i was about to say um my big note for the season is that this might not this isn't like the best season but this is the first time the show has really felt like it's gotten into a groove in a very long time probably since season six or seven yeah yeah i think the thing the thing about this season for me is i wouldn't say there are any like really strong like there's no contender for best family guy episode of all time in this well Uh, maybe one or two but like there it's more defined by a lot of consistently good episodes rather than like a lot of really strong bangers like eight and nine had yeah you know this is this uh this season is really consistent there's only like a handful of like complete duds which is like surprising because like even really yeah. good family guy seasons have some absolute just bombs yeah. and this one does have a few but like it's 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 got a really strong ratio i'll add the caveat that i think we also might be a little bit biased coming off of like the absolute we all kind of agree train wreck that was the second half of season 10 but i mean even even with and also cleveland show and season also cleveland one. Show. but um. without that this this is definitely a strong season with a lot of episodes that i think at least hold their ground if not are like you know revolutionary and a couple of yeah. revolutionary ones 
before I started my rewatch, uh, I, I look. I always, you know, like to look over the Wikipedia list just to see what I'm getting into because I've seen a lot, bunch of these episodes before. Uh, and I noticed that, like, oh, hey, there are a bunch of episodes I like this season. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I think like consistent is the like is the real word uh, of the season. Uh, another thing I want to say is, you know, we brought up a few minutes ago that like. Um, this is the, the 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 first season of a, a no showrunner, and I think I, in a positive way, this season kind of felt like season four in a lot of way. A lot of a lot of lighthearted, fun adventures, a lot of a lot of good character stuff for for individuals, and and kind of like a, a new fresh start for the show. Yeah, I, in a weird I see where you're coming from. For me, it felt a lot like season eight or nine, where it's like not at its best, but it's like the comfort food of Family Guy, where it's like you can really just yes. get into a groove on the couch and like just watch it for however long because especially because i watched most of it today yeah yeah and that's how i kind of feel about yeah. season four a lot of season four but i get where you're coming yeah from no that. this uh this season um the first thing i want to say is that this season kind of threw me a bit because there had been like references that i was there for before this uh season but like this is this season is starting to kind of weird me out because like there's a lot of references to stuff, like, I was not only alive for, but, like, actively aware of as it was right. happening for. Like Justin Bieber, yeah. Justin Bieber. There are so many Chris Brown references. Like, Oh, my God, yes. At yeah, least like, three, yeah. Yeah. That could count. Um, there's a lot of, like, social media references. And, you know, we'll talk more about how the show, like, whinges a lot about social media, but... Um, and to, to give a little context, uh, this, this season aired from September 2012 to uh, May 2013. So, yeah, this was this would be at least like... This, this, this was, was our first middle season school age. Of, yeah. Well, actually, this was the first season that aired when I entered high, high really? school, actually. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, maybe? No, twenty wasn't 2013 like Justin... I don't know. I also might be... This weird. was my first high school year. Okay, I also might be a little bit off because... Um, we, I, I went Our to a ages weird, are different. Uh, yeah, and also I went to a weird school where we had, like, a ninth grade school because they needed something to do with an empty oh, building. Oh, yeah, no. And high, then, high school started at ninth yeah. grade for me, so that's that's also yeah, why. Yeah, so, but uh, it was, like, that kind of very early, like, high school, late middle school, whatever. Very, age, yeah. this was the early teen season, yeah. and I think it's, this is, like, you know, the, the part of your life where a lot of us, you know, started really paying attention to pop culture and not just, like, seeing it weirdly as a kid on TV, but also, like... You know, not necessarily saying we were smart at thirteen, but we were at least like trying to be smart in a weird sort of way. It's 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 complicated. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to say um, about the season, and I think this the key into why it's so consistently solid is that so Family Guy is either at its best or at its worst when it um, fucks with the formula a lot. Right. Um, yeah. At its best. You get stuff like, you know, road the original Road 2 episode. You get stuff like um, Brian and Stewie. You get stuff like, and then there were fewer. But at its worst, and we saw this a lot last season, you get stuff like Seahorse Seashell Party and uh, Screams of Silence. This, this season gets into the nice groove of not fucking with the formula too much 
except for like a couple of episodes. Yeah. But like, and when it does, I think it does a really good job. Yeah, and, and I think it's also like fucking with the formula, but only for like a B plot or an well, A plot, I mean, like yeah. having a more traditional plot on the side. There's times where it does kind of go hold. Like I'm thinking specifically of Yug Limoff. Um, yeah, the, which I, I don't think we're talking Day. about the second half. Yeah, where well, the entire thing that, is takes kinda... place in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of what I'm saying is, like, even, like, when there is, like, more extreme stuff, there's also, like, a good, like, moderate, like, layer holding it it, it grounded. It, not necessarily, like, yeah, you, you know I what I mean, like, more tr- grounded in traditional things. Yeah, it, it's, it's tweaking rather. the formula rather than completely departing from it. Like, Young yes. Math is, like, basically a Road 2 episode, but, like, slightly different. It's like a, it's like if Road Two was also a clip show. Yeah. Yes. Th- this show does a lot of Road Two episodes that are not technically Road Two episodes. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that one like, in uh, general. Total but recall. this season is a very yeah. good example. Yeah. No. There's um. Which, by the way, we're not going to talk about it since we're saving all the Road Twos for a big mega episode. But the Road Two this season is terrific. I think it might it might be my favorite outside of the original. It's really strong. Yeah, it's um, really. I, I good. don't remember being super fond of it, and I'm saving the road twos uh, for like a full watch until we yeah, do the episode. Same. But I, I liked it a lot more this time. It's very dark. Um. Yeah. Oh, I remember they both like killed the other one. Yeah. I didn't watch it this viewing either, but I have seen it like a few weeks ago, just binging, and it's like, yeah, no, this is this is a surprisingly strong road two for modern standards. Um, I don't really think there's anything major to talk about character stuff uh, this season. There are a couple of things I noticed. Um, yeah, Horace dies. Um, yeah, Horace that's dies. That's a big one. And yeah. Jerome takes over yeah. the drunken clan. No one fucking cares. <laughs> Jerome yeah. finally has... Well, no one cares about um, Horace dying, but I think it is more important to note that, like, Jerome or, or, uh, Jerome now has more, like, a, a consistent role on the show and, like... He he's a reoccurring a proper reoccurring character now instead of just like a black guy. Right. Character. Or something else yeah. we've talked about uh, in the past is how sometimes the show has trouble finding a spot for Meg and for Chris in like the main plots. And I think that's something they do in this season or this season a lot that I think really works and they do going forward is they pair up Meg and Chris. I would say every Griffin gets a lot of good roles yeah. this season. But what I'm saying, but that, what I'm saying specifically is that we we had talked in the past about like they did not really have a spot in the family dynamic, and this season kind of took it and was like, okay, neither of them have a spot. Why don't we just pair them with each other? And I think it works pretty well. Yeah, yeah, with like yeah, Meg it does. Being, you get like Meg um, being kind of like dom- yeah, Meg being kind of like domineering and like you know uh, yeah. sneaky towards Chris, and Chris kind of being like uh, very, her kind of like a mix between like scared of her and like uh wanting to you know w- wanting to get her off her- his back i think it works well i think they have a good dynamic yeah i i will say that on the one hand it does kind of like bring shades out to meg where she's not just like a sort of like a innocent like helpless you know just like the just punching right, like bag like it, yeah yeah it like lets her be a little bit more cruel and vindictive um and it doesn't always work. Uh, in fact, it gets kind of bad in one episode. Um, Crisscross? No, not Crisscross. Um, it is uh, Friends Without Benefits. Um, oh, yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Where she, where she tries to get someone to, to rape her brother, which is kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it, it gets a... That gets a little too much. Um, a little bit. Uh, but, like, on the other hand, like, there are episodes where... Uh, Meg, like Crisscross, I think actually works really well because it kind of lets her be meaner and crueler. Um, yeah. And while it's not like perfect execution, I think that like on principle, 
letting her embrace a certain aspect of her character is good. Yeah. You know what I, I... This is slightly off topic, but, um... You, going back to what Spencer said earlier about a lot of references that uh, that he gets, I think it's worth mentioning. This is, I think, sort of where we really start getting into the modern sort of pop culture status quo. Not necessarily like completely, but like you know the M- the Avengers app that came out this year. A lot of the big celebrities of this year. Um, it feels like a lot of the 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 big like directors and like like 2012 feels like the first real year in a lot of ways of the 2010s. I agree with that. And not just the early 2000s. It, it is the blueprint for most of how culture has evolved in the past eight years. I mean, because this is when, I mean, also, this is when Twitter was getting big, or at least big enough for Family Guy to comment on it, you know, Facebook and, and yeah. that stuff was... Yeah, this, yeah. Is de- this is definitely, like, when, like, maybe not, like, you know, stuff like Instagram and TikTok right. were here, but Facebook, Twitter, yeah, Reddit, like the, like uh, the big, they were all... The, the big foundational social media stuff besides, like, MySpace. Yes. Yeah. And this is, you know, like like Facebooks for old people. Facebook really started getting for old people, and Twitter was more for the the youngins and all. I didn't. I don't know. I got yeah. a Facebook in like 2010 or 11. So. Yeah, I remember that yeah. shift not really happening until like a couple Probably years 2015, later. 2015, 2016. I would imagine. I, yeah. I think the big difference is that Facebook is for normal people. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, that's a better way of phrasing yeah, it. Yeah, Facebook. Is, Facebook is Facebook yeah, is for Batman's, and Twitter is for Jokers. The other two character, like, kind of micro-developments I noticed is that Peter's getting, like, even more feral, and I think it works. Yeah. Like, they just kind of, like... the episode where he literally becomes feral. Well, there's that, but there's also, like, the episode, like, there's a cutaway gag where he's, like, becomes a cat... Like, they, like, give him catnip, and they just let him do yeah. that. I don't it's know, they the... just, like... Go on. No, th- no, I think you're right. There's the constant evolution that we've talked about before, but it, it only keeps getting more of, like, Peter as less of a character and more of, like, a vector for jokes. Like, you'd see that in the farm episode where he's literally like, oh, hey, you know, I, I, you know, Fox should have called you to let me, you know, basically set up the plot of this episode. And I think that works. There's sort of, like, with Seth's delivery as Peter, and I don't know, the, the show doesn't have, like, good animation, but... It, it's good at sort of displaying a certain type of physicality. Like, the way they animate Peter, like, as a cat and just, like, scrambling on the table is really yeah. funny. So they're kind of, like... They know how to work within their limitations. It's, yeah. it's good with, like, short, very... Or if it's doing, like, complicated movements, it can do them well if it's, like, just a short stretch. But it, it's not, yeah. like, super fluid the whole time. The other thing I noticed is that... So we could, Ty and I kind of got into, like, an argument about... I don't know. I noticed how they had this like aside uh, a couple seasons ago or last season where there was that moment where Peter and Lois basically just very frankly say that their marriage is dead or whatever. And we kind of like went back and forth as to whether or not that's a genuine development or just like sort of a thing, like a joke they tapped into. It really does feel like a genuine development this season. Yeah, because I mean, it's it, it's not like that it, it ever super goes anywhere in the plot, but it is a reoccurring thing in almost every episode of these two do not have a functional marriage. Yeah, and it is, and I and I like that. I like that because like 
both Peter, like, Peter is an unstable, chaotic monster, and Lois is, like, a, a alcoholic, a, a shoplifter, and a bad parent a lot of the time. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they still lean on, I think, trying to fix their marriage as, like, the kind of saccharine moment in a couple episodes, like, Call Girl and stuff. But, no, as a, as a trend, it is very much leaning towards this marriage does well, not yeah, work. Uh, like, yeah. okay, I think, I think the thing is, like, in episodes that focus on Peter and Lois... They'll go for the sappy endings, but if it's just like a cutaway or they're in another character's episodes, they they don't give a fuck. They'll just do any dark thing they want. Oh yeah, there's that. That's another thing. Is this ep- this season? I think really ramps up kind of like the dark non sequiturs, like having Brian casually oh, become yeah. a uh, statutory rapist, or like having ending an yeah. episode with Stewie literally dying. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add also that uh, the stuff about the dead marriage has one of my favorite jokes in the series where. Peter arrives home drunk, and then Stewie gives this monologue. It's like, You should know that Mom has emotionally let you go. It won't be long before she takes a lover. Yeah. Uh, this also has one of the most iconic Family Guy jokes in uh, one of the not-good episodes this season, which we'll talk about in the back half. This has the uh, the the iconic skin color, like, uh, checklist or whatever yes, the, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that people use as a meme on Twitter. That joke is too good for that episode. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that briefly. Yeah. But it's this season. It doesn't have a lot of like criticizing like establishment stuff or like institutions. But it it, it when it does it, it does it well. I would say. Hmm. Um, like in the, the also in the twelve and a half angry man episode. Uh, I I I wanted to bridge off what I said about that Stewie joke and say that. I forget who said this on the trans episode, but it's one of the best insights to the show I've ever heard. And it's that uh, as it time... Me. It was for me, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No. Um, it was definitely my girlfriend. But um, yeah, obviously. Uh, as time goes on, uh, the jokes in the show are like more of them are like the characters talking to the audience rather than with each other. And I, I think that they've really realized that since Stewie is not understood by like half of the cast, his comic potential is that he is sort of like the almost i don't know like the greek chorus within the show where he is like talking to the audience and kind of pointing out absurdities within the plot um and like consistently it is a wonderful joke like it is like stewie just like kind of sharply cutting into whatever's going on like during the feral peter episode um where he just kind of adds at the end is is she letting him drive it's just so good I also think, like, there's a lot of, like, uh, speaking of Stewie being good, you know, Brian, this is the the strongest characterization Brian has gotten since, like, season six or season seven. Like, this is a, they they play with Brian as an asshole a lot, too, but they, they don't just, like, end it there. They, they, they give him, like, arcs, and they give, like, this is the, like, 12 and a half angry man, we're not talking about it mainly, but it is... Probably the most flattering portrayal of Brian Griffin as a character we have got. This show has done in like a years. while. Yeah, I mean, and even when he makes mistake, like in Young Yilmaz, like he it, he makes a mistake, but it still shows that like he is competent enough to at least fix it, or you know, yeah. to at least yeah grapple with the fact that he has. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it in the second half, but I think Brian's play is basically. A good version of the Bill Maher episode from season nine. I don't yeah. know if it's um, a great episode, but I think it's definitely an improvement for sure. It gives Brian, I feel like, something to do and, and like comments on him with his relationship with Stewie. I also really liked. Um, uh, we'll, we'll save that for. I'm, 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 I was about to bring up Ty's episode, but you know we could. 
save stuff in the second half. Yeah, no, I don't have a lot else to add about this season. Um, the unfortunate thing about the really strong seasons is that there just isn't like a ton to dig into in the first half. But I, I just want to say that this season, I binged a lot of it, and that was very easy to do. And yeah. I, I gotta say that if Family Guy, I mean, I don't really know what to expect after this, since like I've seen like a little bit of season twelve, a little bit of like everything after that. But like, yeah, we've seen it all. Everything after this kind of blurs together. If it um, stays in this groove, which I don't think it will, but if it stays in this groove, then I will like be willing to go to bat for Family Guy as like a genuinely good show. I don't think it does for much longer, but yeah. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm... yeah. If it did, let's say. Well, I guess one more thing I wanted to to say is I think this episode has a lot of good ep- a lot of good use of its its side characters. Um, Joe gets a really flattering spotlight episode in Joe. Like I, Joe's Revenge is a really good episode this season. I considered talking about it. Um, Old Man in the Sea, really funny Carter episode. Quagmire doesn't get great stuff. Giggity wife kind of sucks, uh, but um, I, I disagree actually. Old? I think that Quagmire let let they let him get um they let him get like even fussier and even um yeah you know that well I mean yeah. like in his big spotlight episode I don't think it's great but he gets good stuff this season yeah as a supporting character I think he, what, what's the episode where he goes bald that's the big C or the man in the big C that one yeah. is very fun for fussy Quagmire he he uh big fat he's very fussy there's a good showing for fussy Quagmire yeah I think that why Quagmire works better as a periphery presence rather than like a like a main character because when he becomes a main driver of the plot that kind of like draws attention to the fact that this guy is literally a rapist <laughs> yeah not 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 to spoil ahead but um at the end of the last episode of cleveland show season one there's a joke of like well where quagmire goes well they uh they made it through a whole season now can i have my own spinoff peter and quag and peter just looks at quagmire and just goes quagmire you're a rapist and then he just kind of grumbles and that is the thing about quagmire he's like yeah he might be funny he might be you know kind of a quirky uh character he's a fucking rapist yeah he is a he is is one of the the characters family guy has yeah yeah and and it's like a periphery character he works Well, well maybe carter but yeah yeah uh top three easily Top 10 most evil family guy characters. Welcome to watchmojo.com and today we will be talking about the top 10 most evil family no. guy characters. No, see see I was I was imagining like a 2008 YouTube video in Darude Sandstorm playing in the background made in Windows Movie Maker like a top with like stock photos of the characters. And, that's that's yeah, what and, I was and thinking. And AMV in my head. from like Slipknot but it's just pictures of Quagmire and Carter. Yes, yes. <laughs> death note theme playing <laughs> okay um so i think that'll about do it for the first half of this um we're gonna take yeah, a quick yeah. break and then we're gonna go into the episodes honestly you know what if you want to watch like a family guy season this watch isn't this the one. best one but like if you want yeah. like yeah. a consistent one that kind of explains the appeal of the show to us the most i think this one might be the one to go with yeah probably or, or, this or, or something a little more modern yeah. six yeah or this, this and one. six yeah yeah um, anyway, so yeah, that's gonna do it. Anyway, here's a song your girlfriend probably likes. I got a feeling That tonight's gonna be a good night That tonight's gonna be a good night I'm afraid I have some terrible news. Alright, and we're back. Uh, this is the deep dive section, and we're gonna start with Ty's episode. One of my favorites of the season, Valentine's Day in Quahog. 
Yeah, so uh, this is normally where we do the plot summary, but it, I think it might be helpful to forego that because the reason I picked this episode, uh, the big reason is that it is one of the bigger experiments in structure that I think Family Guy has done in its runtime. And really what makes, what Valentine's Day and Quahog is a series of kind of substantial, you know, maybe six, seven minute each uh, kind of romance stories starring the main cast and then a scattering of like peripheral, uh, you know, short little clips or short little, you know, gags about other people in Quahog. And it's, it's structured... It's it's structured in a way that we have brought up before that the show would work well in, where it's like, instead yeah. of the full 22 minute, it's like, you know, a shorter, you know, maybe 8 to 11 minute episode each. And it's not that exactly, but it, it is them playing with putting the... Uh, pu- putting the show into a more digestible form, like, in within that same runtime, which I think is really interesting and works really well. I could go into each of the subplots if you want, but there's like five or six, so it would probably yeah. take a while. It, it's, just know yeah. that it's a parody of like of movies like Love Actually or like Valentine's Day, or not Valentine's Day, like one of those fucking awful movies that have like 70,000 actors in them and it's called yeah, like New Year's Something Day. with Colin Firth in it. Yeah. Um, that episode, I just want to add that episode has one of my favorite jokes, which is, um, here's a song your girlfriend probably likes, and it's I've Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. <laughs> really oh, and that's good. another good part, is that they started off with, like, a pretty pitch-perfect parody of, like, romantic comedy trailers. Yeah. It, it's so good, and... It's so good. Yeah. If you, if you watch know. any episode this season, I'd say watch this one, or maybe Twelve and a Half Angry Men. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's... It's just consistently really solid, and it's not as, like, mean-spirited as a lot of other Family Guy episodes. Even even, even the times where it could be really mean, like when they have, uh, spoilers, Meg's boyfriend literally steal her kidney on their date, uh, it, it does imbue it with a kind of sweetness, you know? Yeah. I think that that episode really works well for, like, shitting on Meg as a character. Because it was kind of a cute thing, but it was also extremely dark. Like, this feel well, like... Okay, they finally figured out how to balance the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, it... I don't know, it's got so much just great stuff in it. I think the uh, only stuff uh, that doesn't work is the stuff with Consuela, where... Yeah, that, well, that, well, it's just one scene. It's just one scene, though, but yeah, it's not great. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spitball a concept here. I think this has better trans representation than Quagmire's dad. Not oh, that that's sure. hard. I'm... Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, especially because so, they uh, only make one trans joke instead of, like, an, an episode's worth, you know? Yeah. Which is just that you have spits of penis left, which, like, is whatever, as far as jokes go. Yeah. But, by the way, can we talk about... That's a great one where Stewie gets all of Brian's exes together to talk about, like, what the failure in his relationship is, and they eventually start chasing him through the town after he insults all of them. Yeah, and then they yeah. all have sex yeah. at the end. Yes. It's... I, this is something I, I, I wrote down when watching this episode because of the the, the the Chris subplot, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I kind of just wish, like... Fuck it, can can Family Guy just, like, commit to giving in one of its characters a long-term, like, partner that isn't, like, love? No, but no, like, I, I, 
I don't know. I mean, this they did with Chris kind of in Herbert, um, which is... <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's like, she doesn't yeah. really come back. But no, like, in, oh, I mean, oh, in no, Herbert. I thought you meant the nephew, <laughs> my no, bad. Or the niece, the niece. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, no, I see your point. It would be it would be nice to have, like, a point of consistency. Yeah. At least it would be interesting. Yeah. It would shake up the formula a bit. Yeah, speaking of Herbert... And, and also not just shitting on Brian. Yes, um, for sure. Speaking of Herbert, I did want to bring up, because we're not talking about this episode, uh, I really, really love the joke in Crisscross of Chris going to live the, with the Herbert. The bed's joke? Not even that, just the whole thing of, like, Chris going to live with Herbert and, you know, Herbert trying to molest him the whole time, but then Chris is just so off-putting, like, to live with that Herbert breaks up with him. It, it, I think it's a really fun yeah. subversion of, like, the whole Herbert and Chris relationship. Yeah, it... A lot of the stuff in the season, like, um, that, like, like sort of the, the Brian stuff and Brian's play, uh, I would say that the Joe, uh, Joe's Revenge, and, and even Young, Yug, Yamaf, I think it kind of, like, it's not, like, fa- finale material, but I think it would, all of the, a lot of these episodes would work really well as, like, episodes in the last Family Guy season. Yeah, mm. I could see that. Yeah. Like, it's sort of conclusions to character arcs. Uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff with that here. And then, and that Herbert stuff feels like, yeah, no, this feels like kind of like the end of a joke. Like you could, you could retire Herbert on this episode kind of, and it would work. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that. Um, but back to the Valentine's Day episode. Um, this episode does really funny stuff with the, uh, Lois and and Peter have a fucked up relationship. I feel like. I mean, because it's also kind of sweet and like. It it shows that they do like kind of get along, but at the same time, it also shows that like, yeah, no, Peter's also kind of a fucking asshole. It's, it really strikes me as kind of like an arranged marriage type relationship, you know, where it's like, well, no, (laughs) where it's like, you know, they, they, they accept each other and they love each other in like a way that makes the marriage functional, but it's not like. Like, it's not, like, built on passion anymore, you know? No. I, I think that's uh, that's all we have to say for this episode. I'm going to jump yeah. into my episode. The worst episode of the season. Yeah. Okay. Okay. At least the most problematic one. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm back on my bullshit. I'm bringing the problematic episodes. Um, And this one, this is one of the very bad. few banned Family Guy episodes. It wasn't banned for immediately, good reason. but... No, no, the funny thing, it wasn't even banned for good reason. It wasn't banned for the terrorism oh. stuff. It was banned for go into it and we'll talk about why it was banned. Okay. I didn't I don't know why it was banned, so that's interesting. Yeah, it's, okay. it's not what you would expect. Okay. So the plot of this episode is that uh the the beginning is that Peter gets really into skydiving. And uh basically um, you know, he does all the skydiving stuff as his usual zany antics, but then he ends up getting impaled on an Eiffel Tower, uh, like, copy at Las Vegas. And, uh, while he's recovering in the hospital, he meets, uh, a Muslim named Mahmoud. And, uh, what is it? They become friends, they hang out, um, they start hanging out a lot, and then eventually, uh, Peter it turns becomes out that Muslim, yeah. Yeah, Peter becomes a Muslim. I-, I do love all the images of Peter Griffin in, like, a fez. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Yeah, that's, a, that's a in a dirty, in a, in a dirty, uh, Mediterranean restaurant playing little finger symbols at a table. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I, I would support a whole, s- uh, if the show was more, um, more, like, funny, or, and more, like, smart about the stuff, I would support a whole season of muslim peter but just because i love that i love that image of him with the fez but it turns out that uh mahmoud is part of a terrorist cell and uh so yeah peter becomes like roped into this terrorist plot 
And uh, Joe is like, oh, this is probably bad news. So he tells Peter to wear a wire. But Peter gets caught wearing a wire. So they go to blow up a uh, bridge that day. They are thwarted by Joe and the gang before the bridge can blow up. And uh, Mahmood is arrested. Then Peter accidentally blows up the bridge by yeah, it, calling it, it on his cell phone bomb. Yeah. Yeah. He... So before we tear this fucking piece of shit to shreds, I just want to say one thing. I really like the skydiving yeah. over. The skydiving stuff is, is good. I would say this it's is, cute. I think this is, with the exception of maybe, uh, was season eight the one with the horse in it? Yes. I, I, think, I think this is maybe the strongest season for beginning concepts that could be an episode. Yeah. Which is Spencer's kind of big thing. Because, like, I would say half of the episodes in the season have one of those. Um, and then, I, I, I'm going to actually disagree. I think the skydiving stuff is perfect. I, I don't want to, I don't, I, I would not want a full skydiving theater. I think they get all of it out in the first act, and it works, and then they move on to the rest of the plot. The problem is, the rest of the plot is the worst of the... Uh, what is it? The Seth MacFarlane anti-racism fallacy, as we've been calling the, it. The um, racism, anti-racism tension. Ranta, racism, anti-racism fallacy, yes. Obviously, the, the, this, ep- this episode is blatantly Islamophobic. Yeah, it yeah. is It is genuinely appalling. Like, okay, look, I, I've, I've kind of lost my ability to get, like, genuinely offended by Family Guy. Like, it... I don't, like, even, like, some of the trans episodes I kind of just roll my eyes at. Um, Yeah. But this, like, this was vile. This got me. This was vile in a way that... Especially because in the beginning of the episode, they, like, make a point to say, like, oh, well, not all Muslim people are terrorists. You know, we have the Unabomber and we have... And then it's like, oh, no, they are, for sure. Yeah. But that's not the thing that I want to know, is that after... The character, the, the I forget the, the Muslim's name, um, but after he's arrested, they point out jokes with Joe to point out how racist the American industrial prison complex is towards Muslims and how we don't give them trials or anything. Yeah. It's like, but you just did an episode calling all Muslims terrorists. Yeah. You just did, you, you you just just did racism, yeah. but, but now you're doing... Right job, Peter. Thanks to you, 30 terrorists are behind bars, and every middle-class Arab in this town is now under suspicion. So what happens next? Do those guys all get trials? Well, you know, some of them. It's it's long. It's the process. Whatever. Yeah, it's it's very... And this is obviously a a lame criticism to lob at Family Guy, but it is, at the very least, thoughtless, let's say. So I'm just going to go on a tear here. So I think the core, the essence of the that tension between the racism and the anti-racism is that the showrunners and the show writers, not just McFarland, but the whole writer's room of the show really, has deeply internalized a lot of Islamophobic tropes and rhetoric. And you can see it this episode, this uh, season, because they have all these stereotypes about, you know, like all Muslims, like mistreat their wives and basically yeah. force them to be like super obedient you know there's all of this stuff about that sort of implies that like all muslims adhere to like a really strict orthodox interpretation of the religion that is like you know super regressive and super misogynist and like there is no room for you know any amount of variation within the religion as you know people like the writers would definitely afford to jews and christians etc right So I don't think I will be offending anyone by saying that, you know, this show is Islamophobic. What I think gives it this sort of weird edge is that the writers 
want that sort of liberal smugness about Islamophobia. And I think they recognize that at the very least, like bigotry against Arabs and, you know, people from the Middle East absolutely exists. And so while they aren't willing to extend, you know, basic humanity to Muslims and Middle Eastern people in general, right. um, they want to make fun of other people for maybe being like 20% more awful to Muslims. So they want the smugness, but they don't want to be decent people and they don't want to unlearn like a bunch of, you know, Orientalist shit. And I think that's the key there. Yeah. Well, not to, and not to be smug in our own way, but that is, you know, a big part of the liberal ethos is the idea that like being the bare minimum is enough because you are up against people who are significantly worse than the bare minimum you know Mm, exactly spencer did you elaborate why this episode was banned so the reason why (laughs) this is becoming like a running bit on the show and i fucking love it it's so good um so this episode was not after all of that that we went just went into it was banned this episode was not banned for being really islamophobic and just genuinely awful this episode was fucking banned because of a cutaway gag where peter wins the boston marathon by driving a car which took place a month before the actual boston bombing and then it happened and then they pulled that episode and they're like we're done so fucking Bostonians. What is, That's one of the best jokes of the whole season. What is, with, what is with all of these adult animation cartoons pulling episodes because of the Boston bombing? Not, <laughs> like, not this many shows didn't so, pull episodes because look, of nine eleven. Look, I'm not saying that Seth MacFarlane and the entire <laughs> industry had prior knowledge of the Boston Ty? bombing. I'm not saying that, but in a hypothetical parody type scenario, it would be we're very saying funny. the Boston bombing. <laughs> yeah. We're saying Boston deserved to be bombed. I think that's what we're I saying. Mean, yeah. to, evidence to it: Seth MacFarlane was supposed to be on the plane. Holy crap! This is awesome. I haven't felt a rush like this since I won that marathon. I'm Bob Costas here with Boston Marathon winner Peter Griffin. Peter, how did you do it? I'll tell you, Bob, I just got in my car and drove it. And when there was a guy in my way, I killed him. This joke's so good! It's, it's so it's, good. Peter gets in the car, runs over the, the Boston bombing, and is interviewed by, like, a, a newscaster. And is like, so, Peter, how'd you do it? And he's like, well, I got in my car, and I just kept dr- running people over. And, and when I ran someone over, I just kept going and going. And it's just... It's fucking... Fucking It's, it's very good. Oh, but it, it just it was timed so city. it was timed so poorly that yeah boston's nice i've never been but you know let's just we, we i guess it, boston and animation do not mix is the, the lesson of the day um it's it's so in, <laughs> it's so, so insane good. that that's what got it taken down yeah not the fact that this is one of the most vile episodes of tv family guys ever aired which is saying <laughs> yeah. something and yeah. also for for people who aren't patrons this is something that we also talk about with our aqua teen hunger force episode where yeah because of the moon and night bombing scare and i got to talk about one of my favorite head characters i've invented uh the boston guy who uh hates new york so much he thinks 9-11 was good and i like to think that he got this episode pulled by the way uh if you want to see that joke without paying five dollars uh we posted a trailer of that episode that has that clip on our twitter so go follow our twitter and look up that clip anyways uh 
Uh, that's gonna. It's, I think that'll. That's enough for this it's episode. It's so insane. It's such an insane episode of TV. Oh, uh, I just want to point out one more time. The the race gradient card. One of the best Family Guy jokes. It of is. All time. It is. Uh, it, but it, again, it's part of the problem. But no. But Spencer Spencer's right in that it's also like in the middle of this pretty disgusting episode. It's like okay, but like look at how racists look at Muslim people, and it's like motherfucker, that's you. Yeah, that is yeah. literally. Yeah, you huge. guys are just going like um, Muslims be like doing rapes or whatever, and then like in the middle of it, it's like y'all, y'all, we need to talk about um, profiling. Yeah, <laughs> shit like that. Literally, it's like they're saying well, it's not all Muslims; it's just all of them. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's like this is one hundred percent how a mayor Pete voter thinks about Muslims. Yeah, it is. It is so just disgusting, and I, I want to move on from it and go to the final episode. Uh, Andy, your episode is Brian's Play. Okay, so I originally was having trouble uh, picking an episode for this season. Uh, I knew I wanted to pick something that had good Brian's, uh, Brian and Stewie stuff. So I was either, or good Brian stuff. So I was either choosing, uh, gonna choose Twelve and a Half Angry Man, as that's, that's a really strong Brian stuff. But I, I didn't really feel that episode, because it's just like, it's just like a really good episode, and I don't think there's that much to talk about. Yeah, it's, it's, literally, it's basically like, and there were fewer, but just a little bit worse. There was also crisscross because of the Anne Murray joke, which I think Spencer would have gotten a kick out of for some reason. I don't know if he he listens to Anne Murray, but I thought that bit was funny. I'm not that gay, man. I mean, I'm not even into Anne Murray. I just think it's such a great concept to, like, build an episode around this fairly obscure singer. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a good bit to, like, you know, have, um, have an episode where you get two characters just, like, really into, like, fucking Sarah McLachlan or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I think that they could have taken it to, like, more, like, more interesting destination. Like, I would have preferred them to, like, start believing that Anne Murray has, like, sleeper cell activation codes in her music or whatever, but... But anyway, I, I, I decided instead to pick the episode, which is, I think, the most emotional Brian episode this season. Uh, Brian's play. Spencer, can you do a plot synopsis? Yeah. So, basically, the plot of this one's pretty simple. Brian writes a play, and it's a hit. But uh, then Stewie writes a play in a day after Brian's play premieres and Brian realizes, oh, fuck, this is like way better than mine. So Brian initially like, oh, it's bad and then gets rid of it. But Stewie um, realizes that Brian's lying and that it's really good. And so Stewie submits it and it uh it becomes a hit yeah like on broadway it doesn't become a hit but it like starts to premiere on broadway it, it, it gets it gets a lot of attention in like the broadway playwright circles yeah and so they like go and they meet a bunch of playwrights what is it but the playwrights all just like are like yes do your play is brilliant and they just like without knowing that brian wrote his play they like say oh yeah we saw this terrible play in quahog and it was the worst fucking thing i've ever seen and anyways so they do that. And then Stewie intentionally, uh, after he sees that Brian is really, like, beating himself up over this, he intentionally tanks his play on rewrites and, and makes it into trash. Yeah, the Brian yeah. gives this really impassioned speech about, like, look, I, I, I know I'm never going to be a great writer, but I just wanted to be a good writer for, like, the five years I have left alive. You have your whole life ahead of you. He says, why couldn't you have found out your talent after I was gone, basically? Yeah. yeah, it is actually a really good speech. Um, it might be one like top three favorite Brian is doing. This is this is the weird it, thing about the show is that Brian and maybe Quagmire are like the only people who they can write prose consistently for that like actually works. 
I was so happy until I read your play, Stewie. I finally had some kind of success as a writer. It wasn't big, but it was mine. I was fine being an okay writer until I discovered I was living in the house with a brilliant one. I know we don't talk about doggy years a lot, but I, I just wish you could have waited to find out how talented you were until I was gone. By the time I'm dead, you won't even be 10. You'll have 70 more years to be great. I just wish I could have had five to be good. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so Stewie sabotages the play, and then Brian's like, what? That sucked. What happened? And then, then Stewie's just like, yeah, I just tweaked yeah. it. And Brian's like, oh, you ruined it for me. He's like, yeah. And uh, that's how the episode ends, although they also get attacked by a pterodactyl in a pretty good I'm going to be honest, I really don't like that the pterodactyl joke at the end. I, I don't like that they had to force a joke at the ending. I, I feel like it would have just been letter if they just let it end on a nice yeah. note. I, mean, but they I, never I liked it the that. first time it came, but yeah, they that's not Family Guy's end, though. I, I don't yeah, know. I, I like know, the joke. I like the yeah, I like that giant bird yeah. is coming from us. Coming for us. So what was really interesting about this episode to me was that they seemingly wrote it about me and all of my mutuals who get a lot of retweets, respectively. Um, <laughs> so, as someone who actually picked this episode, the main thing I I wanted to say about I, I picked this episode for two reasons. One, I really like it. I've always liked it. Two, I feel like this episode not like everything about it matches up but it feels like a good version of brian wright's a bestseller like or at least a redo that isn't an entirely cynical thing yeah because it's not necessarily a great a perfect episode but i think it's a really strong episode at brian is incompetent because it actually like says something about brian griffin as a character in it like stewie being better than him it it, it it kind of feels out of nowhere but i think it works for this episode and i think it really like it really hits home because it's like he he like in the open it opens with them going the griffin's going to his play and it's like oh it it worked but like it, it the way stewie hammers it in for for at, at um brian for hit uh after he tried to destroy stewie's play it's like yeah, no, they, these criticisms have really worked. It lures you into, like, a false sense of security of, like, oh, Brian finally got... But no. Because even, even in the beginning, you can see that the play is garbage. Like, like it's it's getting laughs and stuff, but, like, it, it, it's literally written to be basically a parody of sitcoms with, like, a, even, like, yeah. the cheesy ending at the end of it. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think that this episode is really good, and... When the show wants to be genuinely good and not just like good on Family Guy terms, I think it really knows that the heart and soul of this show is the genuine friendship Stewie and Brian have. Yeah. yeah. And I think what makes this episode work is because like, you know, there is a genuine kind of push and pull between these characters that is really compelling. Like Stewie is better than Brian at a lot of things. And uh, Brian wants desperately to just have the slightest amount of respect for his writing. And yeah. I, I think what makes this episode work is that they kind of afford Brian, like, a little bit of dignity. Like, his play yeah. is a hit. But then they drag him down. Yeah. Right. I, and I, I, think, I, I think Brian works the best. Sorry if I'm stepping on your thing. I think Brian works the best when he is just smart enough to realize that he's not smart enough. You know? Yeah. Like, yes. he has the emotional intelligence, but he, he is just lacking, like, the actual kind of smart that he wants to be. Uh, and I think this episode hits a really good balance. I'm sorry if I cut you off, Spencer. No, I, I don't. Do we have anything else to add? I just think this is a really strong episode. It's nice that this episode remembered that Jasper exists. Who the fuck is Jasper? 
Brian's uh, gay no, cousin. Brian's gay cousin. Yeah. Oh, he was, yeah. He, I don't think he was a thing until, what, since Brian moved away in, like, season five yeah. or whatever? Yeah, it's... It, yeah, it's, that that's the the main reason I bring this episode up is because it's like, oh hey, that, that's a character. <laughs> that was the they main reason you brought it up. Or no, that, uh, that's the the main something I wrote down in my notes. Yeah. Uh, you can cut that, but that, yeah. that, that no, I'm joking. Autism, um, yeah. Um. Oh, <laughs> uh, one other thing. I, I, going going back to the I I forget which episode it is, but I think it's in this season. Is the um the gay guys at a party joke in this season? Uh, oh where it's like, yeah, where it's like I just wanted to bring up the the, the main blonde gay guy looks like Spencer. Oh, he does. And it, it's oh probably how Spencer. All of the fucking gay guys in the show look like me. There are so many fucking blonde twinks in the show. <laughs> and yet also, is that how Spencer would act at a party? Yeah, just it probably judging? is. Yeah, probably. If I was at like my friend's party, I just if I was at like a friend's party, I'd just be like drinking a lot and just be like having a good time. But if I was like at a house party. If I was like voc like if I was like not just like like just shutting down due to sensory overload, I'd probably right. just be like just like talking to my friends and just be like really snippy like that. Spencer has layers. He's an autist and a caddy faggot. Yeah, I, I, I had to go for the Spencer dig. I, I was surprised Ty didn't. So yeah. you know, I had to remember. I too. didn't think about it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I have the, I have like a couple of straight friends. One in particular who I like. The two of us turn into like caddy gay guys around each other. It's great. <laughs> Um, but no, being caddy that's, is really I, it, more rewarding than people give it credit for. Yeah, it's it's really it's really good to be nice and cutting to someone who deserves it. Yeah, um, or shoot someone who doesn't, just being a bitch for yeah. no reason. It's yeah. one of my faves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. Oh, also, um, one one more thing I, I want to say about the actual episode is, um, I'm kind of surprised Ty didn't pick this just because, like, oh, this would be one of the few times where Family Guy, we're on the Family Guy podcast, she gets to use her theater kid shots. I mean, well, because I had no any, I, I had barely any idea who these theater people were. Uh, I just, I just, I know yeah. David Mamet. I know David Mamet. David Mamet. Yeah. Uh, Alan I, Bennett I did History Boys and Madness of King George the Third, and I don't know who what the woman did. I'm not super yeah. invested in like the modern theater. I, Honestly, oh, the reason I. What? Oh, I know the that woman did uh, that that um, fucking play like Carnage. I think, and oh, I watched uh, the movie that was based off of Days of Carnage. Was it good? No, it sucks. It's a modern Roman Polanski movie. Fucking sucks. Oh, also that is one thing. Last thing, the Polanski dig was good in this jo- episode, yeah. where, where Stewie just goes, "Hey, we're going to go out with drinks with Roman Polanski and his weird bo- and his weird child wife." That was Woody Allen. Yeah. Or Woody, Woody Allen, Allen yeah. sorry, Woody Allen. I mean, Roman yeah, Polanski is in Europe with his child wife. Um, yes, yeah. I, I'm aware of that. Yeah. But it's just like um, the Woody Allen bit. It's like, you know, I, I feel like a lot of a lot of the time, unsurprisingly, for very obvious reasons, uh, ho- Hollywood puts the kid gloves on and doesn't allow you to make jokes about people who are obviously creepy pedophiles. So it's it's nice that Family Guy, of all shows, yeah. got, got in one at him. To go back to Andy's point, I mean, part of it is that I'm not really i'm more of a musical kid than like a theater theater kid and also this is like kind of personal but the i i can relate to a lot of what brian is feeling like the, the feeling that you are not creating to a degree that your peers are and like that you never can because there's just something about you that's like not there it's i mean it's a very real fear that i think a lot of people who even dabble in creative stuff get and and that's i think why this episode kind of hits yeah Folks, that's going to do it for this season. Sorry this episode was a little boring, but sometimes Family Guy could end up actually being good. Yeah, it's a good season. I thought this was a good episode. Yeah, I thought this episode was good, you bitch. Oh, Fucking... Well, no, a, a little short, I yeah. guess. 
Uh, no, but folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, before we go, I don't know if this is out quite yet, um, but it will be out the week that this premieres. Folks, if you're interested to hear me talk about movies and, like, really, really good movies and not just, like, Family Guy adjacent yeah, movies. Not without a paddle. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ted. Ted. Um, yeah, we're doing Ted this week, folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, without, like, without a paddle or whatever. Yeah. I am going to be on the podcast Sleezoids. It is hosted... Uh, partially by my boy Josh Lewis and uh, his co-host Jamie. And I am going to be talking about two movies from Hong Kong, um, Fallen Angels by my favorite director, Wong Kar Wai, and Bullet in the Head by the King John Woo. Hell yeah. Oh, um, classic. Sounds like a really cool episode. Yeah, if, if you want to hear me talk about movies, about really hot guys having emotional crises and shooting guns, then... Oh, that's the best kind of movie. Yeah, then uh, please tune in to me on Sleezoids, where I talk about these uh, two fantastic fucking movies. Do follow them as well. Josh Lewis, he isn't super active on Twitter anymore, but definitely give him a follow if you haven't already, uh, at TheJoshL. And uh, also, if you're interested in my actual thoughts on movies, I have a Letterboxd account, and so does Andy. So, Yep. Yeah, yeah. I don't watch movies, uh, but they're very good at talking yeah. about them. And if you, Oh, and uh, if you'd like to... Um make us watch movies you can donate you can become a ten dollar subscriber to our patreon yeah uh and where uh, you get to select one of the poll topics for uh, our monthly uh yeah. patron yes. cast where we, we we review one thing that you selected for us as, as and patron. there aren't that many there aren't that many so you have a really good chance of getting your uh, your choice selected yeah. if you're willing to pony up the extra yeah, money if, if you if you give ten dollars and nobody else that extra gives ten dollars that means that you will have a third of a chance yeah, it's the price of a lunch once a month and you can make us watch literally anything that you want it's it's kind of insane yeah. we're watching alan gregory this time i i guess the only rule is, there is one rule which is um we're not going to do things out of order so we're all, so if you you have a thing in a series where you're going to start with the first movie or first season yeah, so but you uh, can't, that's, that's you can't about designate it. like a specific season of a show yeah no but that's gonna do it um thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you uh either next week or in a couple days from now depending on if you're uh, a cheap bastard piece of shit <laughs> or a noble patron who we or love or a king bye everyone love you bye bye i cried a tear you wiped it dry i was confused you cleared my mind I sold my soul, you bought it back for me, and held me up, and gave me dignity, somehow you needed me, you gave me strength, to stand alone again, to face the world. Out on my own again You put me high Upon a pedestal So high that I could almost see eternity You needed me You needed me